This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Ms. Halford was publicly shamed and disgraced as a result of doing what she's done. And I think what the judge is trying to say is that mob mentality is not justified. Well, that's uh, the Crown Prosecutor, Jason Woodney, explaining why, in part, Jennifer Halford has avoided prison. We learned today it's going to be a suspended sentence for this woman who pleaded guilty last year to seven charges of fraud. Now, this is a case where this woman pretended to have cancer. This woman also pretended to be an evacuee from the Fort McMurray wildfire. And I think to most people, it's, it's impossible to comprehend who, who does that. And, I mean, you're, you're preying on the goodwill of people. When people hear that, that someone's going through cancer or someone's lost everything in a fire or a natural disaster, people want to help. And that's what people do. So if you're, if you're making that up, if it's all a scam to make money, I mean, it's not just fraud. It offends at something very basic, just offends the sense of decency that you're going that low to try to scam money out of people. So it is offensive, I think. So what possesses someone to do something like this? As we heard today, I mean, this woman's got quite a troubled background. She seems pretty messed up. But again, she was found guilty or pleaded guilty. Anyway, joining us uh, for more on this, Tracy Nagai with uh, Global News Calgary following the uh, story today. Tracy, thanks for making some time for us here. Of course. Good afternoon. All right. So, yeah, pretty disturbing case. So in terms then of the decision to, to not put this woman behind bars, what, what, what did the judge outline today? Well, basically, that due to these reports that had come back, one was a psychologist and one was a psychiatric report um, that kind of outlined her trauma throughout her life. It began when she was abused as a child. Um, She was looking after her disabled brother. She was, you know, mainly his caregiver at that point. Um, Her own daughter, five-year-old daughter, died in 2011. So what was, I guess, agreed upon was that her motivation was not the money itself. It was the fact that it had finally felt good to have perhaps someone look after her. And so that was, that's what she was going for. That's what she was preying upon. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there was money involved. So even if mm-hmm. it wasn't the primary motivation, I mean, I think it speaks to, to where the fraud charges come in. So whatever became of the money and how much money are we talking about? So she got $2,045 from seven of those people that made the complaints and filed the charges against her. Um, Some of it varied from $70. Some of it was $600. But talking to some of these victims in the past, I don't think that the money is really what got to them at that point. You know, uh, Halford had met a lot of her victims, and they were her friends. She had met them in a preschool for critically ill children where her daughter was actually going before she passed away. Um, And these parents themselves had critically ill children. They had children that were terminally ill, that were going to pass away. And so, you know, they had said that they would babysit for her. They would care for her children when she said she was going to get uh, chemotherapy treatments. 
So she is expected to pay back this money, though, is that right? Mm-hmm. So she is expected to pay it back, although now in court today, we only um, saw that one victim impact statement was actually handed in, and the Crown prosecutor told us today as well that at least two of the victims that he had spoken with actually say that they feel bad for her, that they would do it again. They would give her food again if she needed it. That's interesting. Uh, she seemed quite upset, uh, Ms. Halford herself, uh, at, uh, at the hearing today. What, what, was, what was her emotion, emotional state like? Mm-hmm. Well, Halford wept basically the moment she got on the prisoner box. And I think that it was definitely very hard to hear her history outlined in the open court like that. You know, some very traumatic experiences, you know, that she went through throughout her life. She had fostered a lot of um, high-need children, the loss of her own daughter, her own child abuse. And I think hearing it out loud was very hard for her. Right, so the the judge paints a picture of... You know, a good person, uh, but but a troubled person, someone who's, who's been through a lot. And, you know, and, and as you mentioned, the, you know, fostering 17 children, many of them high needs, uh, the judge saw that as a bit of a, a mitigating factor then, that it, it sort of speaks to her, her character and how it's manifested in other ways. Mm-hmm. And also they outlined that this was her first, um, offense, criminal offense, that she'd never had any other brushes with the law, that throughout her life she had in fact volunteered for many organizations. And then of course it goes back as well to her helping other people in her life. They also outlined that her husband wasn't very uh, involved in the care of any of those foster children or their own child and that um, she didn't have a lot of support in her own home. Now, one of the factors as well, I I guess the judge sees it in the sense of she's been through a lot already, that the the threat she received, the kind of anger that that was targeted at her once this once this came to light, the mob behavior, the judge called it. What, What what did she go through? What was she subjected to once word of this got out? Well, um, yeah, she claimed that she had actually received death threats. Um, her lawyer uh, earlier in the in the case had actually read them out loud, out loud to us, um, and you know, clearly, she that had shaken her quite a bit. Um, you know, she sort of said that it was a nightmare uh, while she was on the on the stand and was you know sort of shaking her head, agreeing with the judge that all of this had been very tough for her as well as her family um, dealing with that and being in the public eye as she was. So it's a suspended sentence. I mean, she's not going to go to jail, but I, I, I think the way it works, then there's some conditions she's expected to live up to. I mean, it's possible that at some point, if she fails to, to fulfill those obligations, she could end up spending some time in jail. Yeah, so she's, it's two years probation, basically. Um, she has to make restitution to her victims for that total, just over $2,000. Um, one hours of community service that has to be completed within the next 18 months. And uh, another interesting one is she's actually restricted from using sh- social media. So she's allowed to make uh, Skype phone calls to her friend, uh, to her family members um, that live on the other side of the country. But as far as social media goes, she is not supposed to have an account. All right, really interesting. Tracy, appreciate the update. Thanks for making some time for us here. You're welcome. All right, that's Tracy Nagai with Global News Calgary uh, attending the uh, sentencing hearing today. So even the Crown Prosecutor, sympathetic to this woman. Again, uh, this Crown Prosecutor, Jason Woodney, 
uh, says Halford was going through depression when this all happened. At the time that she committed these offenses, her psychological state was significantly impaired. She had a major depressive disorder, other factors that were operating in her mental state. So she was not the typical, she would, she would not be the same as if she were fully healthy. She, her culpability is reduced because of her poor mental health. It says this is someone who has spent a lot of her life taking care of others, including foster children, a daughter who died of cancer, and just wanted to feel somehow herself as though she was being supported. She didn't have support in her life when all of these things were happening. What she reported to the probation officer was words to the effect that when these crimes were in progress, when the fraud was underway, the deception, she, it finally felt good, I suppose, to have somebody look after her. Right, which is weird. I mean, clearly this, this person's messed up and probably does need some help. Doesn't mean that she's not culpable for what she did. She herself entered guilty pleas on seven charges last year. So we're in the sentencing phase. It's not a question of guilt or innocence at this point. It's what's an appropriate sentence. So it's 100 hours community service. As Tracy mentioned, there are some, some other conditions. There's restitution. There's requirements to stay away from social media. And if she doesn't do that, she may still end up spending some time in prison. But the judge agreed, and it sounds though Crown and Defense were more or less in agreement, uh, that at this point it doesn't make sense to put this woman in prison. So does it? I mean, when you get to sentencing, I suppose all these things become relevant. What was going on with this person? Why were these crimes committed in the first place? Now, this text here says she's not a violent offender, just mentally ill. Make her do some community service. Taxpayers shouldn't have to pay for someone like this to be in jail. What do you make of this? Because, I mean, that's really preying on some pretty basic emotions and taking advantage of the kind of generosity that, that people display when someone really is going through cancer or someone really has lost everything in a fire. And I think even for this woman going through what she's gone through, that there would be people willing to be there and help her and support her. So 2011, her daughter Abby died at the age of five from mitochondrial disease. According to one of the stories here, it says following that, Alfred gained 250 pounds. She went through weight loss surgery, lost 200 pounds, but suffered some serious side effects from that surgery. Required five additional surgeries between 2012 and 2016. And the weird thing about it is the, the doctors say anyway that this woman basically convinced herself that she did have breast cancer, probably had breast cancer, would ultimately be diagnosed with breast cancer and somehow made, made that jump in her mind. So yeah, it's a weird case. So she did what she did. There's no denying that. But I think the consensus here is that this was not a woman who was committing crimes out of greed or an effort to, to gain financially. It was someone lonely and depressed who wanted support and attention. Anyway, 974-8255 is our telephone number. Back with uh, some other news. Time for your calls and your texts as well. Stay with us. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.